It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Happy Friday morning. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Welcome to BWI Live. We are taking a look at Penn State football playing Delaware this upcoming weekend. Uh, As always on the Friday Five, I'm riding solo. So you are my co-pilot. You are my co-host. You are my best friend today. Um, And because it's before Delaware, I'm assuming this is going to be a smaller crowd than normal, especially on a Friday uh, before a noon game. A lot of people probably traveling in the night before so they don't have to you know, get up at 4 a.m. to drive in for a noon kick, especially with tailgates opening at 7. Got that a lot yesterday. I was saying tailgates open at 8. I Here's the thing. I never tailgated in, in my life because uh, as a student, I was a broadcaster. I was going to the game, sitting in the press box. Um, then afterwards, I, I, I never tailgated because don't tempt T. Frank with a good time, and I wanted to make sure I was sharp for my job later. So I've never really tailgated. Uh, This is the first year I've kind of gone out into the world and been a part of it. And uh, it's new for me. So yes, tailgates open at 7. Another thing I would appreciate as we start the show here is um, if you could, because I'm assuming we're going to have a a little bit smaller of a live crowd today, please like this video. It's very important that if you're watching here live that you participate, you give me some of your thoughts in the chat, and you like the video. Uh, Because just because it's Delaware, this is the whole conversation this week, guys. Just because it's Delaware doesn't mean we're taking days off and not trying to be elite. We want to bring the same energy, the same focus, the same intensity intensity and information as we would next week for Illinois or Iowa after that once Penn State gets into the thick of their Big Ten schedule. We're bringing you the same energy, uh, and we hope you match it. I hope you are here and you're having a good time today in the chat. P. Danny, here before the show even started, he knows how to do it on a Friday morning. He says, good morning. Good morning to you. Having a good time in the chat so far. So... We're talking about the five things you need to watch for coming up this weekend. And, and you know, the last two Fridays that we've done this, we previewed uh, an extended preview of West Virginia. Off-season, tons of time to get into game number one. I'm assuming what you're not looking for today is an in-depth analysis of the Delaware Blue Hens. So, like all week, I, one of the other uh, beat writers, I think he put it, perfectly uh, during James Franklin's press conference. Week one to week two is about getting better and your team improving. And that's perfect. I have run with that all week. That's what we've been focusing on because it the reason that I'm assuming we're not going to you know have a ton of people showing up live, although we've got a great crowd already, I might be wrong about that, is uh, it's Delaware. It's Friday. But like I said, we're bringing you the best stuff we can today. So let's get to it. Number five, things to look for. Number five. 
So the number five thing that we're going to be looking for is kind of how James Franklin uh, laid this game out for the defense. So I'm going to let him explain what he's looking for from the Delaware offense. He's in. Uh, Ryan Cardi also um, is the offensive coordinator as well and play caller. They're an RPO spread style offense. Um, you know, their pass game is vertical, um, you know, and, and movements. Um, but in my mind, I expect us to see a ton of quick game, a ton of screens, and a ton of, uh, you know, move, move the pocket type stuff. So James Franklin saying kind of like last week, and this is going to be, I think, the issue for Penn State football all season long is everyone knows their identity. And not to say teams are scared, but teams are aware of what Penn State's defense brings to the table from a pass rush standpoint and from a coverage standpoint, that the issues they're going to create. So most teams are going to plan around that. When you have a team that returns as many players, returns as much of a high-profile situation as Penn State does, they are going to get the screen game. They're going to get the short passes, and they have to make sure that they are in position to rally and tackle and create those third-and-long situations. So this is just a general comment that I think everyone feels from last week, even if you're, um, I don't want to say defending the Penn State defense, but... It, it's clear even James Franklin said they need to work on some stuff. We'll get into the details of what they need to clean up. And it's not as bad as you might think if you're, it, you know, there's a group of people that were like, that was terrible. It was not a terrible performance on Saturday. But my point here in number five is be elite. Be the team that we expect you to be in those situations. If you're not going to get a chance to get to sack the quarterback on a three-second drop, then make sure you're in your pass rushing lanes. Stay on your feet. Keep uh, force the ball into bad situations and then make the play. So just a general sense from what the, the Penn State defense, we went into the last game saying, could West Virginia really do anything against the Penn State defense because they are uh, such a talented team? Well, they found a workaround for that in some of their screen games, some of their run game. Not that it was overly... Uh, it wasn't overly successful. They got seven points during the game, but they were able to move the ball, and Penn State didn't look super sharp. So I guess that's number five here. Pretty quick and simple. Just be sharp, and we'll get into the how you be sharp coming up in just a little bit. But number four, we're going to go back to the offense and check them out. Number four. So number four comes to us from the Penn State offensive line. Penn State offensive line did very well on Saturday, last Saturday against West Virginia. Um, but there's, again, areas you can clean up and improve. And one of the areas that is still, I think, an issue for the interior of the offensive line specifically, West Virginia did what they always do, which is they bring simulated pressure. Four players, but from different angles. Not always bringing straight edge pressure from your expected positions of an edge rusher, a three technique, a one technique, and another edge rusher. They blitzed people from the interior, dropped guys off, and stunted and twisted their defensive line, bringing one guy from a different gap and using another to kind of confuse the interior. And for the most part, it worked. If you look at uh, some of the, the results of this, Hunter Norzad, I know that James Franklin said bumps and bruises with Hunter Norzad, gave up four pressures in the game according to PFF. J.B. Nelson gave up a sack. Sal Wormley gave up a pressure. Um, and generally, 
eyes, discipline, being in the right position for these three guys on the interior. To me, that's an area you'd like to see a little bit sharper from this Delaware team, which can bring a similar concept. Because once again, Olufashinu and and uh, Caden Wallace were very good in the first week. They didn't allow a single pressure outside on the edges of the pocket. Neither of those guys responsible for any pressure. So if you're going to be attacking the Penn State defense, the interior, or the offense, excuse me, the interior of the offensive line seems to be a key feature for a lot of teams each week. So that is where I'm looking for number four is those guys to just take a step of have the, the proper awareness and to pass guys off and to be aware, you know, have your eyes in the right spot. That's an area where I think this team has uh, struggled at times is to have their eyes in the right spot of where they're, where the um, action is going and then anticipating it. And for a group, this is a still they're still gelling, right? So Hunter Norzad going to center, JB Nelson being elevated to that position. They worked through to get they worked a lot together in training camp, but this is not a returning interior of the offensive line like say West Virginia that had been together for five games last year, all off season, all camp, and then going into that first week where they were pretty in sync. You like to see this group be in sync and to have that sort of unspoken understanding of help and protection. So not to beat a dead horse, that's just the area where I think that they can improve the most from uh, from from week one to week two. Coming into the chat, um, you guys are so nice. I appreciate all of this. I'm not saying this just to stroke my own ego. Beach Wine Guy says, T. Frank, just want to say thank you for all you do. One of the hardest working people out there giving us daily doses to feed our Penn State addiction. Uh, I don't know another way to be. I get nervous when I'm not working. So I appreciate you saying that. Uh, it is a part of kind of, you know, uh, I don't have kids and uh, I'm here all day alone with my cats. I need something to do. And watching film, giving you Penn State football content is uh, one of my favorite things to do. So thank you for that. Uh, I want to let you know, by the way, speaking of things in your life, I'm going through the metamorphosis of 30. And it's very interesting because I am now transitioning from a person that has hair to a person that soon will not have hair. Uh, and it's not, it's not always noticeable, but I notice. So I, I, I still can't give up like being the young person. And that's why I'm super excited that Caldera Labs has joined the BWI live show and they gave us a bunch of these awesome products to try out for skincare. Because guys, I, I think that there is a gap in our understanding of the world. You know, your, your dad aged outside like a, like a leather mitt. Did you know that that's not the only way to live? Like my dad did all of the dude things, right? Didn't really take care of himself and ah, it's fine. I'll just don't brush it off. It, it like, you don't have to be scared of colors. You can wear pink. Like I'm wearing a peach shirt and talking to you about skincare. And I feel incredibly secure in my masculinity. And I think that's a huge thing for, for men to get over to actually take care of themselves. So I'm super excited that Caldera Labs is here and they make it easy on you by having these premium fancy products that make it feel like you're using something executive level. Gentlemen, first impressions do matter. And you don't have to have hair, but your skin does have to look good. 
some of the things I've been using that I really like, they have this thing called the base layer. This is just a daily uh, skincare, uh, you know, for your face and for your neck to keep your uh, skin moisturized and so you don't turn into a lizard man by the time you're in your 40s. For me, I've always known this. My mom always uh, complained about her under eyes, Mediterranean eyes. So if you have a complexion like that where you get big bags under your eyes, the icon is great. I've been using it. I've seen a noticeable difference in how I look on camera. And by the way, I use my face to make my money. So I am very serious about this. And if you want to know how to do this, because again, I just mentioned we have this huge gap in taking care of ourselves, Caldero in their starter packs gives you this awesome how to use, how to not be lizard man of the years before. Um, there's a couple things that you can try out as well. I haven't talked too much about the clean slate. That's a once daily thing to help clean your skin. Um, and then if you want to use the deep is what they call it. Make it, again, making a guy friendly, the deep sounds awesome. You, uh, it's a, it's a, I think it's an exfoliating thing that you do once a week to make sure you're getting all the garbage out of your skin. So Chuck, calderalabs.com. And I meant to do this from the beginning because this is the point. Use BWI23 at calderalabs.com and get 20% off right now. 20% off of Caldera Labs starter kit. So use BWI23 and you can try this stuff out virtually risk-free. You're not getting 20% off of a whole lot right now. So make sure you check that out. 94% of men's skin showed overall younger looking appearances after using these products. So, Caldera Labs. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We'll get on to number three. Number three. So did West Virginia give a blueprint of how to attack the Prowler package? And they didn't have great success, but I think they had a really good idea. Watching the film back this week, it actually took me a couple of times to notice this, but uh, Penn State was caught out of position a couple of times. And what West Virginia did is they would go hurry up on third down when they knew Penn State was going to get into the Prowler package. So the so you know, Prowler is not a third and short defense. They keep their base defense out there with four defensive linemen and three linebackers because the run is a real threat on those third and short to just to medium, right? But third and five, six, seven, especially third and seven, Penn State almost automatically checks to the Prowler. West Virginia knows this, and what they did is whatever they got on second down, they would keep their personnel in and then go hurry up. So Penn State had to hustle to uh, get their defense set, and a couple of times they didn't get their defense set. One particular play, the um, the slot fade to number 29, their, their slot receiver, Jalen Reed did a great job of playing that ball and getting underneath it and breaking it up. But when I went back and watched it, I'm not sure that was his assignment. Johnny Dixon is covering the tight end. He's the he's the nickel def or he's the dime defender, right? So he's the the slot corner in this situation. And you would say that Jalen Jalen was probably supposed to be covering the tight end. And here's the amazing thing: is like they know the defense so well, they just swapped assignments. 
based on, I'm assuming this is what happened. I don't know for certain, but this was really impressive to watch them do that in the moment of like, oh no, we're not set, and then they adjusted. And that was a big play. If that's a touchdown, West Virginia's back in the game. Last year, that might have been a touchdown. But this year, it wasn't. A couple of other situations where they, they had a quick... Um, a quick third down play in general, even if Penn State didn't um, swap out players, this might be a way that teams attack uh, the, the Prowler package. I don't think Delaware will do it <laughs> the, the week after that, uh, that West Virginia did it, but a team like Illinois, especially I think this is something Ohio State could use. So how does Penn State adapt to this? And this is something going on a kind of a bigger picture here Something about Manny Diaz's defense that I was saying on this offseason is, yes, it's year two, and Penn State is in a situation where they can get better at what they do, but the Big Ten has been exposed to this defense now. How are teams going to attack it? There's more film on Diaz at Penn State. How are Big Ten teams especially going to attack um, what they do up front, in the secondary, and on third down? So we're seeing some of the templates start to emerge. And I'm not saying that this is going to be something every team does, but it is something that James Franklin and his staff are absolutely going to have to be aware of because there's going to be these things that come up throughout the season. And Manny Diaz and how he plays third down, I think is really important. They've got to make sure that their communication is spot on and that their ability to get guys on and off the field is is tight. And that's on the players paying attention. That's on the players being aware. And this is very much a James Franklin thing. I think uh, uh, Fitz brought this up of mistakes and situations like this. This is something where James Franklin is going to make sure they don't have inefficiencies like wasted timeouts and and busted coverages. So... I imagine this is this is something we're going to see. Even if Delaware doesn't do this, Penn State is going to prove that, hey, you can't do this against us uh, this coming up week. Um, let's go to the chat here quickly. T. Frank, what player who isn't playing right now, right now or very little will be taking, uh, we were talking about by year's end as a star player? Star turn for a player who's not playing right now. That's tough. Because this team is pretty deep, <laughs> and they've got a lot of stars. So on the defensive side of the ball, I don't know if there's somebody who's not playing right now. We can go to any of the freshmen, and you could say that they could be standout players, but I don't think we're going to say King Mac star this week. I think it's more, um, I think it's more that he'll be possibly playing. I don't think we're going to see Tony Rojas take a star turn. And part of that is he's going to—he's mostly, I think, going to be playing that will position if he gets on the field. So, because they're, they're I'm sorry, the, the Sam position, because the will, you've got Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter there. And I don't think you're taking reps away from Jacobs um, to put Rojas on the field. And that will position is where you make a lot of plays. So, that kind of leads you to the offense. Maybe Dante Cephas, maybe Malik McLean, but we are starting to talk about McLean right now. So I don't think that there's any star players, but I think there are players that we could talk about, and I've outlined a couple of those guys right now uh, that will be notable in the future. But this is the point of, like, there are really talented players from the class of 23. It's just the situations that they're they're in and some of their positions, like Javen Williams has star potential. Alex Birchmeyer has star potential. Neither of those guys are going to be starters this year and both likely are going to redshirt so 
I think the the number of those players is is slimmer, but there's some guys in the secondary. Maybe one name here for you is Cam Miller, where we're not we're not talking about him enough, but I think he has the talent, and James Franklin has has been glowingly talking about Cam Miller and his ability to uh, to maximize his talent. He's a he's a good football player with great athleticism at that corner position. It's hard to shine when you've got Johnny Diaz, uh, Johnny Diaz, Johnny Dixon, and Kalen King in front of you. Um, but he's going to see a lot of time, especially with the situation with Daquan Hardy not participating in Week One. Um, he's going to play a lot. He's going to play on third down. He's going to play on second down. He's going to be rotating in as that third corner. So I'll 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 talk myself into a circle for you. Med 2659, and we're going to go with Cam Miller, who could take a star turn uh, at the end of the season. And that's where we're going to that's where we're going to land on this one. I just had to talk. I just had to talk for long enough that my brain could catch up and like, who would, who would I think of there? Stephen Light, more catch out for T Frank's Kitty. Stephen, thank you so much for donating to the channel. Stephen is always here. He's almost always donates to the show. I, I don't know where he gets the funds to do it, but I super appreciate Stephen doing that. If you want to be like him, um, you can donate to the channel. The Super Chats are always open, and uh, we'll make sure we get your question or comment here on the show. Beach Wine Guy says, maybe a wide receiver like Saunders. That's another one that I think is a good, a good player to mention. But the problem here, I think, for me, is that Saunders can contribute, but he still has Liam Clifford in front of him and technically Keandre Lambert-Smith, who's going to move around and obviously be a multi- faceted player but if Malik McLean who's ahead of Saunders right now makes himself into that consistent threat then you've got a situation where maybe those three guys make up the starting three and you move Dre back into the slot where you've got Wallace McLean and uh, Lambert Smith and then now you're pushing Saunders down one more one more rung. Now, on special teams, on punt return, he can absolutely make an impact as well. James Franklin mentioned him as a player that he thought did very well in his role, but that's the thing is, like, it's it's a role position, and if we're talking star, and I'm not trying to, like, zero in on that one word and be technical about this, but that's kind of what I'm thinking of, breakout player guy who is like, wow, look at look at that guy. It's going to be tough for Saunders. He's going to have to prove that it's worth putting him on the football field over some of these other guys, including, you know, he's competing against Dante Cephas to get into the offense, even though those two don't really play the same position. And the same thing with, uh, you know, the guys we already mentioned of Clifford and McLean, who seem to be, first off, veterans, older, more physically uh, mature, and having that kind of leg up in terms of time in college. So, Saunders, I think, is one of these guys we're going to be talking about, and James Franklin is going to keep mentioning for all of the reasons we talked about yesterday on the show of like wanting everyone to feel appreciated and everyone to definitely stay at Penn State. The new reality is we're going to talk about Saunders, but if this were 2017, we would be saying Saunders is like, he's a talented player. There's a couple guys in front of him. Maybe in 2024, he makes his impact in, in his third season. And that's just, that's the, that's, the landscape right now as of Friday at 1022. If somebody gets injured or he makes a move, absolutely he can be one of the guys that Penn State is relying on. He has the talent. It's just the situation and the the opportunity. And I think that's the biggest thing is opportunity with this um with this team. 
So Jay Biz says Diaz needs to make adjustments faster and keep Chop on the outside with his speed. So let's get into number two because this gets into getting this team, this defense specifically, uh, to play to the level that I think everyone was expecting in week one. Number two. So the number two here is the defense needs to play sharper. Part of this, and I'm going to start from the top down, part of this when you go back and you watch the film is the defensive schemes they were using. West Virginia countered them well, anticipating some of the stunts up front, which then put Penn State players in conflict, and sometimes there wasn't somebody to cover the gap or to uh, turn the play back inside because West Virginia had a great plan and executed it to take advantage of some of Penn State's aggressiveness on the defensive front. Within that, this defense up front, they weren't always getting to the the gap they were trying to get to um, with that movement. So making sure you fight through to your gap and not get outgapped by the defense on a zone play or whatever. You know, it doesn't have to be. We talked a lot about outside zone before the game, and uh, West Virginia used it effectively, and Penn State um, got outgapped a couple times because of that action and because of the offensive line. So clean that up this week. So from top down, sharper all the way on the defensive front. Um, some of the stuff at the goal line, watching back, you know, again, West Virginia anticipated some stuff and they used motion and formation to get Penn State in a bad call. Just clean those things up. That's it. week one for everybody, right? And I think that's a part of the conversation that we always talk about. It's like, it is the players and, and the coaches have the right plan going into the game, but every once in a while you call a run play if you're Mike Yersich and... They anticipate it, and they get a good play. The other team can make good plays, too. This week, you're not expecting that as much in terms of, oh, no, Penn State's going to get stuffed, or Penn State's going to have a hard time um, getting into the backfield. But just having all of those things work with synergy, to use a overused word. Uh, and then the obvious thing. Let's get to the obvious thing and make it obvious, and that would be missed tackles last week. 13 total by the defense, according to PFF. Abdul Carter took his brunt of the um, criticism this week for his four missed tackles, but the linebackers in general, Elsden DeLuca, guys that you saw on camera make some mistakes that were pretty obvious, just clean these up. And part of this, by the way, is for Elsden and DeLuca and for Carter was what we just talked about in terms of the defensive front not being in their gaps all the time and going back to this conversation and this comment here by Jay Biz, where he says keeping Chop outside with his speed. Chop got pushed inside by a couple of chips and and uh, and Chop uh, uh, chip blocks by the uh, tight ends and running backs. So keeping those rush lanes so that Elsden isn't put in no man's land where he's got to chase an athlete and he can be what he's supposed to be within the defense, which is, you know, the enforcer between the tackles. Maybe he's the quarterback spy. Maybe he's not having to run somebody down in the open field. You can take care of that on quarterback scrambles, especially because the quarterback this weekend, similar in style to Garrett Green without some of the athleticism, but will scramble, will extend plays. Fun quarterback to watch. You know, he's got a decent arm. He makes some throws. He's got kind of a Johnny Whip sidearm. I don't know why I threw in Johnny. Just felt like it was right there. But uh, yeah, he he's he's a fun quarterback that'll sling the ball downfield. 
Um, and if he escapes the pocket, that's where I said at the beginning, stay on your feet. Penn State had two, maybe three sacks, uh, definitely two, where if Akeem Beeman and Abdul Carter stay on their feet, they get a sack instead of Garrett Green getting into the open field. And that's that's really what we're talking about. Is It's not these massive issues of Penn State got pushed out of the gap or they got run over by West Virginia. They just need to be where they're supposed to be, and when they're there, be the better athlete. And it's it 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 sounds simple, and it, it is. It's a simple fix, but it is one of those things that requires mental focus and the ability to make those adjustments in the moment and everyone be on the same page. So that's the communication issue from week one to week two is just sharpening up. Here's where we made the mistakes. Here's how we correct them. Here's who is supposed to be a part of the... Uh, uh, who's supposed to be a part of the conversation uh, in terms of making those calls and getting everybody in the right spot. Speaking of that, I thought uh, Kobe King, upon review, like watching some of those situations, he's a great guy of an example. There was one play I pointed out during the film study where I wasn't sure if he was wrong because they were in a zone blitz and was he supposed to check out of that? But when you look at the kind of the structure of the play, he was doing what he was supposed to do, but also he was getting guys in the right alignment. He was you know, commanding the defensive front seven. So good communication from him. That was impressive to see. Keeping that up and making him the commander of that front and that front seven, I think that's going to be something good to see going forward. And that's where you want to see domination this weekend against Delaware. Dan W. asks, Javen and Birchmile getting time tomorrow? Yes. Maybe. <laughs> this is where we're going to get into the maybe. So... Do the third stringers get in? Yeah, I think the third string is able to get into this game because last week the second string got in, but that didn't mean Javen Williams. That meant that um, you put Drew Shelton at, at left tackle and at right tackle, and he got reps at both positions last week. So Javen didn't make it onto the field. I think he can this week. Uh, Birchmeyer specifically, I don't know that yet. That will be something interesting to see. Uh, how they use him because he's 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 kind of with the fourth team right now in practice where we see him. So I don't know that if he's going to have the opportunity to get on the field. Uh, you would think so with a third and maybe the fourth string getting on the field. I think uh, you'll definitely see Javen Williams, and I do think you'll see Anthony Donko. Birchmeyer is the one I'm. I'll be curious to see, and I'll be looking out. But that Dan W. That's a really great question. Um, uh, uh, going through the players you might see on Saturday. Sorry, I was I was reading Mojo Buffalo here. Don't know if every team will be able to implement that strategy with only one week of game prep. And that's a good point, Mojo. Going back to the conversation about uh, the West Virginia's plan to hurry up on third down and put Penn State in a conflict trying to get their players on and off the field. Yeah, I don't expect them to see it this week. I do expect them to see it throughout the season, and I just wanted to point it out now so that we're, we all have our antennas up, that Penn State is going to be talking about this this week as an area to correct, and it's going to be on their mind throughout the season with other teams trying to emulate and replicate some things that West Virginia had some really good shots dialed up in those situations. They almost got it to work. Can a better team get that plan to work later in the season? I think that's a reality Penn State could face. I don't, again, I don't think that every team is going to do it. It's not going to be like cover zero for the offense, but it's going to be 
uh, something they have to deal with this year. Okay, so we got through, let's recap quickly the five things that we want to watch for coming up this week before we get to number one. Number five, defense. Play like an elite squad. You know, show it this week against Delaware. Number four, we're looking at the interior of the offensive line, blitz pickup, exchange, having your eyes in the right spot for the three guys on the interior. Number three, personnel exchange on third down. We just talked about that. Number two, have the defense be sharp. Correct some of the mistakes up front in terms of uh, gap exchanges and contain for the quarterback. Make sure that just in general, you have a better uh, understanding of where you're supposed to be and a better physical execution of being where you're supposed to be on the defensive line. That extends, by the way, to the linebackers, but they work interchangeably. So Abdul Carter, Curtis Jacobs, Dom DeLuca, Tyler Elsden. I'm not trying to point specifically at the defensive line that it was all their fault. Obviously, there were some linebackers out of gaps. Abdul Carter had a couple of opportunities where he was in the wrong gap. Um, Just clean all that stuff up and everything will look sharper. So let's get to number one. Number one. This was an underlying kind of simmering point for Penn State this week. 10 carries for Catron Allen, 13 carries for uh, Nick Singleton. And those two combined for 23 carries, over 100 yards, over 5 yards a carry each. That's good. That's efficient. But the explosive plays came from the passing game. You want to show in week two that your running game is explosive as well. James Franklin, again, talked about that, setting it up for the week on Tuesday. Listen to what he has to say. We had a chance for two or three explosive runs that would have that would have dramatically changed the game uh, earlier uh, and also would have would have really helped obviously Nick and and Katron's stats. Um, so I think we're we're close there. Uh, most importantly, we're efficient, and if we're efficient in the run game, those guys are gonna—they're gonna make their plays. They're just—they're both so good. So we'll set that up here in just one second. But we're—we're we're coming up. This is number one. We're talking about wanting to see Catron Allen and Nick Singleton get explosive runs. After that, that's what I got to talk to you guys about this week. So if you've got any questions, any comments, throw them in the chat. I want to make sure we're doing a full show today. Uh, we've got a couple minutes on the clock after this. So if you've got any questions, comments, love to talk to you guys here live um, on the show here for the Friday Five. But let's get into specifics of what we're talking about with Katron Allen and Nick Singleton. And, and this is where last season they were great. And in week one, some limited opportunities is what we're, we're working with. First off, they only had 23 combined carries. But in that situation, Nick Singleton forced two broken tackles. Katron Allen didn't force a broken tackle during his time in the game. And that's an area where he especially was very good last year. And I expect, and James Franklin expects, to see a step forward this week of make the guy miss and get the yardage. And this is specifically where breaking a, t- breaking a big play will help affect this particular stat. Yards after contact, Allen only had 2.9. That's abnormal for him. He's normally a guy that it breaks a lot of tackles and gets a consistent amount of yardage after the carry. Singleton, when he's at his best, he's averaging eight yards after the carry because he's got a 70-yard run in there as well. But this kind of goes to the larger point, and this is one of the few things we'll break down about Delaware and their style of defense from what I saw this week of some cursory look at the film. They play a three-high, true three-safety system. 
kind of like West Virginia, but they actually play three safeties in, in a more pure Big 12 defense. And this is, again, what Ohio State does with Jim Knowles. Um, that does a couple of different things. The safety in the middle, they use to overcome motions and shifts. So when a team uses run motion or, or passing motion pre-snap, your defense has to adjust post-snap. Now, there's a couple of different ways you can do that. It's either through um, linebackers shifting their gaps in the front or running a safety from one side of the field to the other or a single coverage defender. And sometimes that can tell, that can give, be a tell of what defensive structure you're in. By having that middle safety and those three safeties over top, you can adjust to whatever the offense has done. This is kind of the idea of, of you can either rotate the whole secondary or you can have one guy within those three safeties adjust and come down at better angles. Essentially, it's like you're trying to create a triangle, better angles to the flats where teams are trying to attack with these motions. But that means you've got three players deep. And if you're Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, that safety coming from eight yards maybe, if he's your guy to make miss, the Penn, Penn State offensive line did a great job of creating good running lanes for them to get to the spot where they needed to break an angle or break a tackle. They were inconsistent at doing that last week. And that's what James Franklin was saying. There's two or three runs. If they just break a tackle, it's a massive play. For Nick Singleton, if he just stays on his, you know, doesn't stumble, he's got to run to the boundary that would have been a big, you know, maybe a 30, 40-yard run. With these three high safety defenses, that guy's coming from depth. That gives you the advantage of open space. Got to make those guys miss. Got to be explosive. And that's why not only are we expecting that from the group this week, but that's why if I have a prediction, it's the, the running backs should be the, the part of the offense that generates the explosive plays, the yardage, and the points this week. But also, let's, let's understand, it is Delaware. So if, if Drew Aller throws a post route that goes for a touchdown that against a normal team would have been 15 yards and now it's 70, we're not saying only the running game can create explosive plays. We're saying we expect the running game to create explosive plays this week where they didn't last week. Make everything click, put it all on film for Illinois and Iowa to have to worry about, and get into the next week. So that's, you know, that's why they're the number one group to look at for this particular game think they can do it and obviously they have the talent it's just about making all of this come through um and that's steven is right the good thing is have a robust passing game the run game will always be there with our running game and offensive line this year that's exactly right but it also does need to be there like it does need to we need to see that it does need to happen because this is how it works right you come out of the delaware game and they don't break you know, 30-yard run, or they don't have 200 yards rushing, or whatever your threshold for the eyeball test is, right? Whether it's the box score or your eyeball test, and you go, I don't know about this running game. They couldn't get it going versus Delaware. They're going against Illinois. Illinois likes to stop the run. They got Jazan Newton up front. Uh, what's going to happen? But if they rip off a couple big runs, you go, okay, this offense is balanced, and it's dangerous. You just want to make sure you get all of that on film. Um, so that's what I got. If you got any questions, any comments, we've been having a good conversation throughout the show. Throw them in the chat. We've got a couple more minutes left. Don't want to leave anybody hanging. Steven is full on participating. And I love it because Steven, here's the thing. 
as you might have expected, I was the kid that couldn't keep his hand down in class because I hated the awkward silence of when a teacher asked a question and then everyone gave the drove me nuts. Drove drove me absolutely. Even if I didn't know the answer, I raised my hand and just like gave a thought because I hated the the, the awkward silence. So Stephen says, I wonder. Stephen participating here, like like you would like. Uh, I wonder how so soon Boo uh, Bo will get in this week. Not worried about it. Just curious when Franklin will do it. Will be interesting to watch. We got into that on the Thursday show. I thought uh, Fitz gave a good answer to that. Always worth a rewatch. I know Stephen watched it, but if you're watching now and you want to go and find out what Fitz had to say, that is the BWI Live official pregame uh, game preview of Delaware, which we do on Thursdays. So that's it for me. And as David Greeter is going to take us out, like the video. Thanks to everybody who tuned in. Thanks to everybody who participated. Thanks to everybody who donated. Enjoy the game coming up tomorrow. And if you're going to be out there, 7 a.m., the tailgate's open, as I found out this week, making the mistake of saying it wasn't 7 a.m., stop by our tailgate show. Anise Hawkins and myself, former Penn State defensive tackle, are going to take you through some of the things we talked about today, get his perspective on what the defense can do to improve, how the offense can improve, what he's looking for from Penn State football. That is at 9 a.m. for an hour and a half, giving you a good drip of Penn State football content getting into the game against Delaware. Get yourself hyped. Another full day of Penn State football coming up tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.